Welcome to Reformed in Public. We continue with the reading of A Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. This work is considered public domain. Please visit our show notes page at anchor.fm forward slash reformed in public. 2. A Christian comes to contentment not so much by way of addition as by way of subtraction. That is his way of contentment. And it is a way that the world has no skill in. I open it thus, not so much by adding to what he would have or what he has, not by adding more to his condition, but rather by subtracting from his desires, so as to make his desires and his circumstances even and equal. A carnal heart knows no way to be contented but this, I have such and such possessions, and if I have, and if I had this added to them, and the other comfort added, that I have not now, then I should be contented. Perhaps I have lost my possessions, if I could only have given to me something to make up my loss, then I should be a contented man. But contentment does not come in that way. It does not come, I say, by adding to what you want, but by subtracting from your desires. It is all one to have a Christian whether I get up to what I would have or get my desires down to what I have, either to attain what I do desire or to bring down my desires to what I have already attained. My wealth is the same, for it is fitting for me to bring my desire down to my circumstances, as it is to raise up my circumstances to my desire. Now I say that a heart that has no grace and is not instructed in this mystery of contentment knows knows of no way to get contentment, but to have his possessions raised up to his desires. But the Christian has another way to contentment, that is, he can bring his desires down to his possessions. And so he attains his contentment. Thus the Lord fashions the heart of the children of men. If the heart of a man is fashioned to his circumstances, he may have as much contentment as if, he, as if his circumstances were fashioned to his heart. Some men have a mighty large heart, but they have straitened circumstances, and they can never have contentment when their, they are hearts are big and their circumstances are little. But though a man cannot bring his circumstances to be as great as his heart, yet if he can bring his heart to be as little as his circumstances, to make them even, this is the way to contentment. The world is infinitely deceived in thinking that contentment lies in having more than we already have. Here lies the bottom and root of all contentment, where there is an evenness and proportion between our hearts and our circumstances. That is why many godly men who are in low position live more sweet and comfortable lives than those who are richer. Contentment is not always clothed with silk and 
purple and velvets, but it is sometimes in a homespun suit, in mean circumstances as well as in hire. Many men who once have had great estates and God has brought them into a lower position have had more contentment in those circumstances than they had before. Now, how can that possibly be? Quite easily, if you only understood that the root of contentment consists in the suitableness and proportion of a man's spirit to his possessions, an evenness where one end is not longer and bigger than the other. The heart is contented and there is comfort in those circumstances, but now let God give a man riches, no matter how great, yet if the Lord gives him up to the pride of his heart, he will never be contented. On the other hand, let God bring anyone into mean circumstances, and then let God but fashion and suit his heart to those circumstances, and he will be content. It is the same in walking. Suppose a man had a very long leg, and his other leg was short. Why? Though one of his legs was longer than usual, still he could not go as well as a man both of whose legs are shorter than his. I would compare a long leg when one is longer than the other to a man who has a high position and is very rich and a great man in the world, but he ha has a very proud heart, too, and that is longer and larger than his possessions. This man cannot but be troubled in his circumstances. Another man is in a mean position. His circumstances are low, and his heart is low too, so that his heart and his circumstances are even. This man walks with abundantly more ease than the other. Thus, a gracious heart thinks in this way, The Lord has been pleased to bring down my circumstances. Now, if the Lord brings down my heart and makes it equal to my circumstances, then I am well enough. So, when God brings down his circumstances, he does not so much labor to raise up his circumstances again as to bring his heart down to his circumstances. Even the heathen philosophers had a little glimpse of this. They could say that the best riches is poverty of desires. Those are the words of a heathen. That is, if a man or woman have their desires cut short and have no large desires, that man or woman is rich. So this is the heart of contentment, not to seek to add to our circumstances, but to subtract from our desires. Another author has said, The way to be rich is not by increasing wealth, but by diminishing our desires. Certainly that man or woman is rich, who have their desires satisfied. Now a contented man has his desires satisfied. God satisfies them, that is. All considered, he is satisfied that his circumstances are, for the present, the best circumstances. So he comes to this contentment by way of subtraction, and not addition. 3. A Christian comes to contentment not so much by getting rid of the burden that is on him, as by abiding another burden to himself. This is a way that flesh and blood has little skill in. 
you will say, how is this? In this manner, are you afflicted? And is there a great load and burden on you because of your afflictions? You think there is no way in the world to get contentment, but oh, that this burden were but off. Oh, it is a heavy load, and few know what a burden I have. What do you think, that there is no way for the contentment of your spirit, but to get rid of your burden? Oh, you are deceived. The way of contentment is to add another burden, that is, to labor, to load, and burden your heart with your sin. The heavier and the burden of your sin is to your heart, the lighter will the burden of your affliction be to your heart, and so you shall come to be content. If you burden if your burden were lightened, that would content you, you think. There is no way to lighten it but to get it off, but you are deceived. For if you can get your heart to be more burdened with your sin, you will be less burdened with your afflictions. You will say, this is a strange way for a man or woman to get ease to their condition, to lay a greater burden upon them than to lay a greater burden upon them when they are already burdened. You think there is no other way when you are afflicted but to be jolly and merry and get into company. Oh, now you are deceived. Your burden will come again. Alas, this is a poor way to get one's spirit quitted. Poor man, the burden will be upon him again. If you would have your burden light, get alone and examine your heart for your sin and charge your soul with your sin. If your burden is in your possessions for the abuse of them, or if it is a burden upon your body for the abuse of your health and strength and the abuse of any mercies that now the Lord has taken away from you, that you have not honored God with those mercies that you have not that you have had, but you have walked wantonly and carelessly. If you so fall to bemoaning your sin before the Lord, you shall quickly find the burden of your affliction to be lighter than it was before. Do but try this piece of skill and art to get your souls contented with any low circumstances that God puts you into. Many times in a family, when any affliction befalls them, oh, what an amount of discontent is there between man and wife. If they are crossed in their possessions at land, or have bad news from across the seas, or if those who they trusted are ruined, or if those whom they trusted are ruined, and the like, or perhaps something in the family causes strife between man and wife in reference to the children or servants, and there is nothing but quarreling and discontent among them. Now they are many times burdened with their own discontent and perhaps will say one to another, It is very uncomfortable for us to live so discontented as we do. But have you ever tried this way, husband and wife? Have you ever got alone and said, Come, oh, let us go and humble our souls before God together. Let us go into our chamber and humble our souls before God and for our sin, 
by which we have abused those mercies that God has taken away from us, and we have provoked God against us. Oh, let us charge ourselves with our sin, and be humbled before the Lord together. Have you tried such a way as this? Oh, you would find that the cloud would be taken away, and the sun would shine in upon you, and you would have a great deal more contentment than ever you had. If a man's estate is broken, either by plunders or any other way, how shall this man have contentment? How? By the breaking of his heart. God has broken your estate. O seek to him for the breaking of your heart. Likewise, indeed, a broken estate and a whole heart, a hard heart, will not join together. There will be no contentment, but a broken estate and a broken heart will so suit one another as that there will be more contentment than there was before. And therefore, to the breaking of your estate, the breaking of your, add therefore to the breaking of your estate, the breaking of your heart, and that is the way to be contented in a Christian manner, which is the third mystery in Christian contentment. Four, it is not so much the removing of the affliction that is upon us as the changing of the affliction, the metamorphosing of the affliction so that it is quite turned and changed into something else. I mean in regard of the use of it, though for the thing itself the affliction remains. The way of contentment to a carnal heart is only the removing of the affliction. Oh, that it may be gone. No, says the gracious heart, God has taught me a way to be content, though the affliction itself still continues. There is a power of grace to turn this affliction into good. It takes away the sting and poison of it. Take the case of poverty. A man's possessions are lost. Well, is there no way to be contented till your possessions are made up again, till your poverty is removed? Yes, certainly, Christianity would teach contentment, though poverty continues. It will teach you how to turn your poverty to spiritual riches. You shall be poor, still as to your outward possessions, but this shall be altered, whereas before it was a natural evil to you. To you. It comes now to be turned to a spiritual benefit to you, and so you come to be content. There is a saying of Ambrose, every poverty itself is riches to holy men. Godly men make much of their godly men make their poverty turn to riches. They get more riches out of their poverty than ever they get out of their revenues. Out of all their trading in this world, they never had such incomes as they have had out of their poverty. This is a carnal this a carnal heart will think strange that a man shall make poverty the most gainful trade that ever he had in the world. I am persuaded that many Christians have found it so, that they have got more good by their poverty than ever they got by all their riches. You find it in Scripture.
Therefore, think not this strange that I am speaking of. You do not find one godly man who came out of an affliction worse than when he went into it. Though for a while he was shaken, yet at last he was better for an affliction. But a great many godly men, you find, have been worse for their prosperity. Scarcely one godly man that you read of in scripture, but was worse for prosperity, except for Daniel and Nehemiah. I do not, I do not read of any hurt they got by their prosperity. Scarcely, I think, is there one example of a godly man who was not worse for his prosperity than better. Sayo, rather, you see it as no strange thing to one who is gracious that they shall get good by their affliction. Luther has a similar expression in his comment on the fifth chapter of the Galatians, the 17th verse, he says, Christian becomes a mighty worker and a wonderful creator that is, he says, to create out of heaviness joy, out of terror comfort, out of sin righteousness, and out of death life. He brings light out of darkness. It was God's prerogative and great power, his creating power to command the light to shine out of the darkness. Now a Christian is partaker of the divine nature, so the scripture says grace is part of the divine nature, and being part of the divine nature, it has an impression of God's omnipotent power, that is, to create light out of darkness, to bring good out of evil. By this a way a Christian comes to be content. God has given the, a Christian such power that he can turn afflictions into mercies, can turn darkness into light. If a man had the power that Christ had when the water pots were filled, he could, by a word, turn the water into wine. If you who have nothing but water to drink had the power to turn it into wine, then you might be contented. Certainly a Christian has received this power from God. To work thus miraculously. It is the nature of grace to turn water into wine, that is, to turn the water of your affliction into the wine of heavenly consolation. If you understand this in a carnal way, I know it will be ridiculous for a minister to speak thus to you. And many carnal people are ready to make such expressions as these ridiculous, understanding them in a carnal way. This is just like Nicodemus in the third of John. What, can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So, when we say of grace that it can turn water into wine, and turn poverty into riches, and make poverty a gainful trade, a carnal heart says, let them have the trade if they will, and let them have water to drink, and see if they can turn it into wine. Oh, take heed, you do not speak in a scornful way of the ways of God. Grace has the power to turn afflictions into mercies. Two men may have the same affliction. Two, one it 
shall be as gall and wormwood, yet it shall be wine and honey and delightfulness and joy and advantage and riches to the other. This is the mystery of contentment, not so much by removing the evil as by metamorphosing the evil, by changing the evil into good. 5. A Christian comes to this contentment not by making up the wants of his circumstances, but by the performance of the work of his circumstances. This is the way of contentment. There are these circumstances that I am in, with many wants. I want this, and the other comfort well. How shall I come to be satisfied and content? A carnal heart thinks, I must have my wants made up or else. It is impossible that I should be content. But a gracious heart says, What is the duty of the circumstances God has put me into? Indeed, my circumstances have changed. I was not long since in a prosperous state. But God has changed my circumstances. The Lord has called me to... The Lord has called me no more Naomi, but Mara. Now what am I to do? What can I think now are those duties that God requires of me in the circumstances that he has now put me into? Let me exert my strength to perform the duties of my present circumstances. Others spend their thoughts on things that disturb and disquiet them, and so they grow more and more discontented. Let me spend my thoughts in thinking what my duty is. Oh, says a man whose condition is charged, whose condition is changed, and who has lost his wealth. Had I but my wealth as I had heretofore, how would I use it to his glory? God has made me see that I did not honor him with my possessions as I ought to have done. Oh, if I had it again, I would do better than I did before. But this may be put but this may be but a temptation. You should rather think, what does God require of me in the circumstances I am now brought into? You should labor to bring your heart to quiet and contentment by setting your soul to work in the duties of your present condition. And the truth is, I know nothing more effective for quieting a Christian soul and getting contentment than this, setting your heart to work in the duties of the immediate circumstances that you are now in, and taking heed of your thoughts about other conditions as a mere temptation. I cannot better compare the folly of those men and women who think they will get contentment by musing about their circumstances than to the way of children. Perhaps they have climbed a hill and look a good way off and see another hill, and they think if they were on top of that, they would be able to touch the clouds with their fingers. But when they are on top of that hill, alas, they are as far from the clouds as they were before. So it is with many who think, if I were in such circumstances, then I should have contentment. And perhaps they get into circumstances, and they are as far from contentment as before. But then they think that if they were in other circumstances, they would be contented. But when they have 
got into those circumstances, they are still as far from contentment as before. No, no, let me consider what is the duty of my present circumstances, and content my heart with this, and say, well, though I am in a low position, yet I am serving the counsels of God in those circumstances where I am. It is the counsel of God that has brought me into these circumstances that I am in, and I desire to serve the counsel of God in these circumstances. There is a remarkable scripture concerning David, of whom it is said that he served his generation. After David had served his generation according to the will of God, then he slept. It is a saying of Paul concerning him in Acts 13.36. In your Bibles, it is, after he had served his own generation according to the will of God. But the word that is translated will means counsel of God, and so it may be translated as well, that after David in his generation had served God's counsel, then he fell asleep. We ordinarily take the words thus, that David served his generation, that is, he did the work of his generation, that is, to serve a man's generation. But it is clear if you read it thus, after David and his generation had served the counsel of God, then David fell asleep. Oh, that should be the care of a Christian, to serve out God's counsels. What is the counsel of God? The circumstances that I am in. God has put me into by his own counsel, the counsel of his own will. Now I must serve God's counsel in my generation. Whatever is the counsel of God in my circumstances, I must be careful to serve that. So I shall have my heart quieted for the present, and shall live and die peaceably and comfortably. If I am careful to serve God's generation, if I am careful to serve God's counsel. 6. A gracious heart is contented by the melting of his will and desires into God's will and desires. By this means he gets contentment. This too is a mystery to a carnal heart. It is not by having his own desires satisfied, but by melting his will and desires into God's will, so that, in one sense, he comes to have his desires satisfied. Though he does not obtain the thing that he desired before, still he comes to be satisfied with this, because he makes his will to be at one with God's will. This is a small degree higher than submitting to the will of God. You all say that you should submit to God's will. A Christian has got beyond this. He can make God's will his own will. He can make God's will and his own the same. It is said of believers that they are joined to the Lord and are one spirit. That means that whatever God's will is, I do not only see good reason to submit to it, but God's will is my will. When the soul can make over, as it were, its will to God, it must needs be content. Others would fain get the thing they desire, but a gracious heart will say, Oh, what God would have, I would have too. I will not only yield to it, but I would have it too. A gracious heart has learned this art, not only to make the commanding will of God to be its own will, that is, what God commands me to do, I will do it, but to make the providential will of God and the operative will of God to be his own will too. 
God commands this thing, which perhaps you who are Christians may have some skill in, but whatever God works you must will and well as well as what God commands. But whatever God works you must will as well as what God commands. You must make God's providential will and his operative will your will as well as God's will and in this way you must come to contentment a christian makes over his own will a christian makes over his will to god and in making over his will to god he has no other will but god's suppose a man were to make over his debt to another man if the man to whom i owe the debt be satisfied and contented i am satisfied because i have made it over to him and i need not be discontented and say my debt is not paid and i am not satisfied yes you are satisfied for he to whom you made over your debt is satisfied it is just the same for all the world to be for all the world between god and a christian a christian heart makes over his will to god now then if god's will is satisfied then i am satisfied for i have no will of my own it is melted into the will of god this is the excellence of gracious grace this is the excellence of grace grace does not only subject the will to god but it melts the will into god's will so that they are now but one will what a sweet satisfaction the soul must have in this condition when all is made over to god you will say this is hard i will express it a little more a gracious heart must needs have satisfaction in this way because godliness teaches him this to see that his good is more in god than in himself the good of my life and comforts and my happiness and my glory and my riches are more in god than in myself we may perhaps speak more of that we when we come to the lessons that are to be learned it is by this that a gracious heart gets contentment he melts his will into god's for he says if god has glory i have glory god's glory is my glory and therefore god's will is mine if god has riches then i have riches if god is magnified then i am magnified if god is satisfied then i am satisfied god's will and holiness is mine and therefore his will must needs be mine and my will must needs be his this is the art of a christian's contentment he melts his will into the will of god and makes over his will to god o lord thou shalt choose our inheritance for us psalm 47:4 7 the mystery consists not in bringing anything from outside to make my condition more comfortable but in purging out something that is within now the men of the world when they would have contentment and lack anything oh they must have something from outside to content them but a godly man says let me get something out that is in already and then i shall come to contentment suppose a man has a fewer suppose a man has a fever 
that makes what he drinks taste bitter. He says, you must put some sugar into my drink. His wife puts some in, and still the drink tastes bitter. Why? Because the bitterness comes from a bitter, choleric humor within. But let the physician come and give him a bitter potion to purge out the bitterness that is within, and then he can taste his drink well enough. It is just the same with men of the world. O oh, such a mercy added to this mercy, then it would be sweet. But even if God should put a spoonful or two of sugar in, it would still be bitter. The way to contentment is to purge out your lust and bitter humors. From whence are wars and strifes? Are they not from your lust that are within you? James 4.1 They are not so much from things outside, but from within. I have said sometimes, not all the storms that are abroad can make an earthquake, but the vapors that have got within. So, if those lusts that are within, in your heart, were got out, your condition would be content, a contented condition. These are the mysterious ways of godliness that the men of the world never think of. When did you ever think of such a way as this, to go and purge out the, the diseases of your heart that are within? Here are seven particulars now named, and there are many more. Without the understanding of these things and the practice of them, you will never come to a true contentment in your life. Oh, you, oh, you will be burglars in this trade of Christianity. But the right perceiving of these things, oh, you will be bunglers in this trade of Christianity, but the right perceiving of these things will help you to be instructed in it, as in a mystery. The mystery of contentment may be shown even more. A gracious heart gets contentment in a mysterious way, a way that the world is not acquainted with.